So I read an interview with a Microsoft executive recently, and the executive told his interviewer, I'm down to 100 pills per day. Evidently, he had at some point been taking more than 100 pills per day, but he said, I've been able to pare it down just to get to 100 pills per day. And they had this conversation that he's taking 100 pills, sometimes more than 100 pills, because he's trying to live long enough for science to reach a point where he doesn't have to die. Whether it's that they can download his brain to a computer or freeze his brain or do something, but he has been on this search to try and live forever. And right now he's taking 100 pills per day. I just can't even imagine what that feels like in your stomach. Today I take one, two pills per day. I know some of you guys take a little aspirin every day, or you take some uh, medication from your doctor or some fish oil or something. But this guy takes 100 pills per day in this quest to outrace death and get way out ahead of him. Read of another executive who, well, he, first he said he does it, and then he said he doesn't, and he's kind of researching it and may do it. But I've seen reports that another executive multiple times a year gets a full blood transfusion from a person 40 years younger than he is in this chase to outrun death. We can kind of laugh at these guys that take 100 pills, pay $40,000 to get the blood of a 20-year-old infused into his body. But a lot of us have this fear of death. And so the things that motivate us are how do we outrun? How do we outrun that? Maybe it's because we lost a parent or a loved one at a young age. Maybe it's because we don't know what's out there. But one of the things that's common to people in every generation, the Bible even tells us, it's the sphere of death that all of us live with. Some of, for some of us, it's greater than others. Today we're looking in Psalm 125 at this, this fear of death that we each one of us has. And this section of the Psalms, this series that we're going through is called Songs for the Journey because these are songs that they would sing on the road up to Jerusalem on these dangerous roads through the mountains where you don't know what's coming. There's no satellite imagery. There's no weather forecast coming up. There's no police on the roads to guard the way. And so the people walking this road, many of them are walking that road with the fear of death in front of them. So today we're going to look at Psalm chapter 125 to see what does God's word have to say to us who are afraid, who are saying, who will guard my life? Like this tech executive trying to outrace death. Each one of us has this looming question, who's going to guard my life? What pills do I need to take? What protection do I need to put in place? What cameras do I need to put into my house? Who's going to guard me? Psalm 125 is a psalm for people who have questions about security, who have questions about the end, who have questions about death. Psalm chapter 125 says, a song of ascents. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken, but endures forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people, both now and forevermore. The scepter of the wicked will not remain over the land allotted to the righteous. For then the righteous might use their hands to do evil. Lord, do good to those who are good, to those who are upright in heart. But those who turn to crooked ways, the Lord will banish with the evildoers. Peace be on Israel. Let's pray. God, as we open up your word, I pray that we would, we would hear your spirit speak through it. Lord, that we would understand that you are the one who is responsible to guard our lives. Help us to understand what our own responsibilities are. 
Amen. What I want to show you today here in Psalm, Psalm 125 is that there are, we have two responsibilities. As we question who's going to guard our lives, we actually have two responsibilities. This passage is going to tell us to guard our affections and let God guard our lives. Two responsibilities. The first responsibility is pay attention to your affections, not to your security. Pay more attention to your own affections than to your security. Verses 1 through 3 lays out for us, like, hey, here are the people, those who trust in the Lord, as this story starts, he starts with the, the thing that defines these people is that where their trust lies, their, their trust is in the Lord. They're like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken, but endures forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people both now and for more, forevermore. And so this, this section that's on God's people, God's people are defined not by who their parents are. They're defined not by who their ancestors are. In this section, they're not even defined by the things that they do. They're actually defined by trust in the Lord. The Lord surrounds his people. His people are the ones that trust in him. But then he says, what are they like? And he gives this image of security that can be a little, a little difficult for us who haven't been to Jerusalem, don't live in the mountains. You see, Jerusalem was a city that was that had been occupied for centuries before Israel ever got it. It was a stronghold fortress on top of a mountain, which that was kind of common in that time. But what was what was amazing about it is as at the very tip of a mountain with deep ravines on each side, so that an attacking force is going to not only have walls that they have to attack, but they actually have to climb up the cliffs to get to Jerusalem. Now if you look at pictures Jerusalem, like most cities, is just kind of sprawled out across a bunch of mountains. But at the time, especially up to the time that David captured it, it was unheard of for anybody to get to Jerusalem because it was such a fortress in such a difficult and unforgiving terrain. And so the image that we have is that those who trust in the Lord are like this, the city of God that nobody's going to be able to attack because it's got its own water source, it's got deep ravines, and so attacking armies, no matter how big they are, and have trouble climbing up to get through. So it gives us this, this image of security, but not only like are they like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken but endures forever, that image of cannot be shaken but endures forever, Abraham actually went and gave sacrifices to the king of what was then called Salem. Melchizedek was the king of the city at the time. It wasn't Israel's property. It wasn't Abraham's property. And so this is a city that had been occupied for centuries because it was such a perfect location and a a, a perfect fortress. But then, not only are they like Mount Zion, but as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds His people both now and forevermore. So if you look at Jerusalem and you stand in the city, there are just mountains surrounding it on all sides. So the image that He's giving is that the per His people, the ones that trust in the Lord, who are defined not by who their parents are, but by the fact that their affections and their trust is in God, they're surrounded by mountains. But those mountains are the Lord. And he promises to surround them both now and forevermore. Then he gives us this image that the scepter of the wicked is not going to remain over the land allotted to the righteous, over God's place and God's people. Because if God were to abandon them, then the righteous might use their hands to do evil. So this passage tells us that our concern should not actually be security. 
It should be our trust and our affections. It's so easy for us to go, what do I need to do financially to put my life in order so that bad things and tragedy aren't going to overwhelm me? It's how do I, what kind of security do I need to put into my home? What kind of kind of situation do I need to put myself in so that bad things stay out there and never come and hit me? But this passage says our concern should be our trust and our affections because then we won't be shaken and we will be surrounded the way the mountains surround Jerusalem. So I love magic tricks. I don't love to do magic tricks, although I did try that when I was a kid. I actually just love to watch magic and some people who will watch magic tricks love to figure out the details, and I hate to know the details. I would rather think that the person doing the magic trick is actually doing magic. I don't want to know the trick. I had a, I had a friend who was really good at close-up magic. He would do card tricks on like night after night, and I worked with him at a camp one summer. And at least one night, if not multiple nights for the entire summer, he would gather a crowd of students around him and do magic trick after magic trick. And people would say, do that again. Let me try and figure out what you did. And I would always go to be right in the middle of it and just enjoy the fact that this guy can trick me over and over and over. The next summer, I worked with him again. And he would do things that I just, he'd have me sign a card. And then all of a sudden, that card would appear outside the double-paned window. And I was just like, my mind was blown. And I was like, please don't ever tell me what you're doing. This is so much fun. Just keep doing this. But one time, I was across the room while he was doing magic for somebody. And I was working on a project, and I look up, and I saw what he was doing. And I realized the trick behind one of my favorite tricks, and I was like, oh, he had my attention here while he was doing something up here with his hand in his mouth. And I was like, oh, that ruins the trick. I thought he was so good that there must be some kind of real magic involved. Because what I found is that his, his real trick was he was getting my attention on one thing while something else. And the reason I'm telling you that is because this passage says that our attention is so often on how do I become secure, and God says, no, your attention should actually be on what your affections and trust are in. Like somebody doing a magic trick, we end up looking at the wrong thing. And God's like, no, trust in me. Put your affections here. Put your, put your trust here in me. And I'll take care of the security. So you and I are responsible for our affections, not our security. God's the one that's responsible for our security. Can we actually say, God, you said it. I'm going to put my trust in you moment by moment and then rest like I'm in a, a fortified city that nobody can attack, like I'm surrounded with mountains. Only the mountains are the God who loves me. So the first responsibility we have is to pay more attention to our affections and our trust than to our security. And the second responsibility we have is to guard against the banishment of wicked paths. Look at verses 4 and 5. It says, verse 4 says, Lord, do good to those who are good, to those who are upright in heart. But those who turn to crooked ways, the Lord will banish with the evildoers. Peace be on Israel. Verses 4 and 5 are like this great amen on what we like agreeing with God. God, do good to those that do good. Then he twists it back to that affection thing to those who are upright in heart. You know, if, if, it's, if, if we're focused on God, do good to those who are good, then we begin to measure ourselves and say, God, God, look at all of these things that I've done that are good. He kind of twists the knife and gets our attention to, to those who are upright in heart. 
but those who turn to crooked ways, the Lord will banish with evildoers. He, he directs our attention, not just, hey, are you doing good things this week, but are you upright in heart, or is your heart turned to crooked ways? The Lord is going to banish those people. So the reason that I think this passage says guard your affections and pay more attention to your affections is because those hearts that are inclined to crooked paths that begin to think, oh, I could get away with this. I can get something for myself. God is going to banish those with the evildoers. It's not just the people that end up in prison because of bad and evil and immoral things that they've done, but also those whose hearts have turned to those ways that the Lord is going to banish. So this, this is supposed to be an alarm for us that says, you need to guard against a heart that begins to go into the wicked paths. Not just, hey, have I not broken the big laws or the big things? That's the thing that we end up seeing when we look at the Garden of Eden. When we see that Adam and Eve in conversation with the serpent say, begin to mistrust God, warp his words and say, well, this looks good for food. Let me take and eat it. Because I will be like God. But in that moment, we see that God banishes them from the garden. That's the first indication of banishment in the Bible. That Adam and Eve, who have seen that they would be like God, and go in that direction. God banishes them from the garden. And so the call to us is to guard against those kind of paths. Guard not just against going down those paths, but hearts that are inclined towards us. So the responsibilities we have are pay attention. Pay attention to your affections, not just security. Guard against those wicked paths that lead to banishment. Let God guard your life. But we look at this, and then I begin to go, this standard is so much higher than I would like it to be. If it was just pay some attention, you know, make sure you do a few good things, make sure you go to church, make sure you read your Bible, make sure you love your wife and your kids. Here he's talking about those that are upright in heart, not just in deeds. Here it's talking about those that trust in the Lord, not in people and not in things. Those are the ones that are secure. And so this passage begins to indict you and me. None of us meet the standard here. We can walk out and go, oh, guard your affections, but each one of us today, tomorrow and the next day are going to find ourselves with hearts that are inclined towards evil. And so where can the good news in this song be for you and I? We want to be like Mount Zion and not be shaken. We want to be surrounded like the mountains surround Jerusalem. But what if we have hearts that don't trust? And what if we don't find that we're upright in heart? The story of the Bible is this that God made the world and he made it good and said Adam and Eve are very good. And let, But Adam and Eve and you and I, each one of us, our hearts have been inclined towards wicked paths and evil paths and have been wandering down these other roads trying to find security, trying to find something to be stable and to put our hands on and say, look, bad things won't happen. The Bible says that God will banish, will send away forever all the wicked in heart, all of those whose hearts don't trust him. But instead of leaving us that way, instead of leaving us in that place, just ready to be sent away forever, instead we find that God comes and chases you and I. God comes and chases us down so that those of us who have actually paid more attention to security and affection instead can have an advocate 
who moment by moment in his life trusted in his father so that moment by moment he's the one who did good and was upright in heart and he's the one that bore the punishment you and I should bear so that John 1 says we're, we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness and so this passage can become a promise of security for you and I not because we've done all of the right things, but because Jesus has done them in our place. And so then we can go, oh, so now I can guard my affections, letting God guard my life, knowing that I will never bear the punishment of the wicked that I deserve. Because I've been set free from that. So then you and I can guard our affections, letting God guard our life, knowing that we have the perfect record of Jesus in our place. So then when we look at our lives and we're tempted to grab hold of things that are going to give us security. Cheating financially because we think, well, a little bit more money will, will make me secure. Instead, we can say, God, I can repent of a heart that's inclined towards that, and I will let go of it, letting you guard my life. That when we begin to go, how can I get security by chasing after all of these other things that will one day protect me? And say, God, I'll let them go. I'm going to trust in you, grabbing hold of that. So that instead of chasing health cures, instead of chasing relationships, instead of chasing respect, something that will one day guard us, give us security, instead we actually can find that God surrounds us as the mountains surround Jerusalem. And we will never be shaken. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that on this journey that we find ourselves, you call us to guard our affections, and you promise that you will guard our lives. In Jesus' name.